Good evening, all you Avalanche fans out there. This is uh, King Cole, uh, Scott Cole, part of Rocky Mountain Sports Report, here to bring you another episode of In the Crease Avalanche Review. Uh, first things first, uh, Mike Herschel's not with me today, aka Big Hirsch, uh, dealing with some personal stuff. So I'm moving forward by myself today. Uh, some of the topics we were going to cover uh, probably won't be covered today. Uh, we're going to dive in and fix some irregularities from our uh, Season 2, Episode 1 episode that released last Tuesday. Uh, Mike and I both uh, probably failed in a little bit of our research. One of the issues we was the World Junior Championships matchups starting with the quarterfinals that uh, were occurring at the time of our last uh, episode recording. Uh, as we all know, Team USA beat Team Canada in the finals, uh, clinching gold in a, in a game that finished at 2-0. Um, the big issue we had there was when I originally met, read the matchups for the quarterfinals, it looked as if Team Canada and Team USA would match up in the semis, which is not the case with the World Juniors. Uh, as most people are probably aware, they reseed every round according to your overall um, standings. Um, from the uh, group play and everything. So um, had both teams won out like they did, Team USA and Team Canada were going to end up in a head-to-head -head clash in the finals, and we all saw how that went down. Speaking of the World Junior Championship finals, and I think this speaks to not only the World Junior Championships, but uh, the, the Winter Olympics and stuff like that, whenever it comes down to a Team USA versus Team Canada type of uh, matchup. You get people all across the the hockey world that are, you know, it's Canada sport. Canada should win every time. And Team USA, you know, kind of threw a wrench into that. that. But I, I, I have to give it to our Canadian uh, brethren, brothers, sisters, whoever you want to call them. They came up with such a fantastic sport. And not only has the USA embraced it, but the rest of the world has embraced it. We have players from all over the world playing this sport at every level of competition and it's you know it's it's one of the more enduring things I like about um, hockey um, same thing with um, soccer you know it's called soccer here in the US but it's preferred to as football to the rest of the world and it's another one of those enduring sports that it's played throughout the world and I, I truly truly appreciate um, what I see when I think of hockey. There's just so much to cover, and uh, not any one person can cover it all. So um, kudos to all those other podcasters, sports analysts, hockey analysts, and all these other countries around the world that just embrace this sport with such a passion. Um, you know, we got to stick together. On that note, congrats to Team USA and Team Canada for a well-fought game. Truly enjoyed watching it. And I gotta say, that was probably some of the most intense action in the last 30 minutes of that game, if you include, uh, you know, the last half of the second period and all of the third period. Just so, so, so intense, and I really enjoyed it. Um, with that, um, the other big thing that uh, Mike and I saw, or were kind of surprised by with the, uh, the training camp roster for the Colorado Avalanche, was that um, Bowen Byram got an invite to that. And then earlier today, today is January 10th, uh, this uh, podcast will release on January 12th, um, the day ahead of opening night in the NHL, or should I say opening day, because there are games throughout the day on uh, for the NHL. 
Um, Bowen Byram did get an invite to camp, and he's been with them. Um, I misspoke. I'll take credit for that. Uh, it was my belief that Bowen Byram would spend his season with the WHL, uh, and as I thought he wasn't eligible to be with the NHL. That is entirely wrong. He's eligible to be with the NHL as long he, as he is on their active roster. Um, that active roster this year is a little bit tricky because you have your regular, um, you have your regular NHL roster, but you also have the taxi squad roster, which will travel with the team, will participate in, um, you know, practices and everything else like that. Um, they may not see a lot of playing time. Uh, it all depends on what happens if there are any positive case COVID cases on the team. Um, as we've seen through most of training camp, there are players for the Avalanche who have been deemed unfit to play, uh, meaning that they may not, they may be injured or they may uh, they may be tested positive for COVID or they may not uh, have met the team's um, um, fitness standards in order to participate in practice. Um, I believe one of those players for the Avalanche is uh, defensive player uh, defenseman uh, Eric Johnson. Uh, so that's probably opened up the door for Bowen Byram to step in, as well as some others. There's been rumors of Ian Cole being traded and everything else, but who knows what's going to happen there. Um, with, as always, this isn't the only thing that I do. I do this podcast, and it's a great thing to do. Um, I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, and it's a, diff it's a different thing for me. This is brand new for me. I think this is our my fourth episode for uh, the In the Crease Avalanche Review and we're still fine-tuning a few things, um, some exciting news. Um, next week, we will have a special guest, uh, Dan Slate. He runs the uh, Colorado Avalanche Society page on Facebook, does his own podcast and everything else. We're going to collaborate next week and uh, probably discuss the, uh, the two games that are happening this week against the St. Louis Blues, how we feel about what we see on the ice, um, give our... Probably our way too early predicament uh, predictions. Excuse me, on where the season's going to go, what we expect, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to cover some stuff that I've already done. I've already written for Rocky Mountain Sports Report. You can find those articles on RockyMountainSR.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Rocky Mountain Sports Report. We have a group page where people can bring up their own uh, discussions and topics and stuff like that and can collaborate with our writers. And we also have the Rocky Mountain Sports page on Facebook where we also post those articles that you'll find on RockyMountainSR.com. Uh, um, with the Broncos, not the Broncos, I'm so mixed up. They talk a ton of Denver Broncos on, on the webpage and everything. That's one of our primary uh, things, so you'll see a lot of that, but not here on this podcast. I don't know why I said Broncos. Um, I, I know why I said Broncos. I'm watching the uh, Chicago and New Orleans football game on TV while I'm doing this podcast. So that's probably where that came from. Um, as for the Avalanche, uh, this week I've been diving into our division opponents in the West Division. And believe me, it's hard enough trying to classify these divisions as West, North, East, and South, because I'm so used to it being the Pacific Division, Central Division, you know, uh, the Metro and the Atlantic. But 
NHL's decided to go a different way with their branding this year. Uh, they've given each uh, division a sponsor. I believe Honda is sponsoring the uh, West division, but it's really hard not to say Western Conference sometimes. So I kind of catch myself um, trying to stay away from that. So, uh, yeah. So far, uh, we've got three articles posted to the Rocky Mountain Sports Report webpage discussing um, some of our uh, um, division opponents, as I was saying. Uh, and this podcast is going to cover the three teams I've already covered and what to expect the rest of the week leading up to opening night for the Avalanche. Um, so far, we have covered, uh, or I've written articles on the Anaheim Ducks, the Los Angeles Kings, and the San Jose Sharks. As I said, you can find all those um, listed on RockyMountainSR.com. They should be listed under uh, NHL West Division Breakdown in Part 1, 2, and 3. Uh, parts 4 through 7 are coming. Um, part 4, we will dive into the Arizona Cardinals. Um, five would be the Vegas Golden Knights. And then six and seven, we'll dive into the two teams from the Central Division that moved over to the West Division with us, and that is the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. Um, originally, I was going to talk about the St. Louis Blues in this podcast, but I have yet to do my research completely on that team, so I don't want to be misinformed and spread that misinformation to you guys as well. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break, get my notes all together, and go over everything I've got for the three teams I've covered. Uh, we'll be right back uh, with a new segment here shortly. And we are back uh, to cover some of our uh, insights to uh, some of the opponents in the West Division for the Colorado Avalanche. The first team I dove into was the Anaheim Ducks. Um, looking at their... Uh, their uh, their list of stuff. Um, last year, I believe they finished. Uh, Want to say seventh or fifth? Seventh or sixth in the uh, Pacific Division, and uh, they weren't necessarily a great team. Um, they've got eleven players over the age of thirty. Four of them are over the age of thirty-five. That being Ryan Getzloff, David Backus, Ryan Miller, and Ryan Kessler. With Ryan Miller, um, as of um, the way the uh, NHL does it is they um, figure out the age as of like February 1st going through towards the season. Um, Ryan Miller is listed at 40 years old. Um, uh, another player that is not with the Ducks this year is Corey Perry. He got bought out uh, over the next three years. He was due to make uh, $6.6 million, uh this season with uh, $2 million, um over the next over 2022 and 2023, but he got bought out. Um, eight players are under um, restricted free agency tags. Two of those are on entry-level contracts, and they have nine expiring contracts after this season with uh, Ryan Getzlaff, David Backus, uh, Hyannon Rowney, Max Jones, Sam Steele, and uh, um, former Avalanche player Andrew Ag Agazzino, who's uh, with them. Um, Deuce and Ryan Miller are all expiring contracts. They don't have any cap space. There's not much room they can do as far as, um, you know, improving their team this year. Um, I don't really, I don't think I really dug in much to their draft class. Um, but I, you know, 
based off of last year's stats and not much change in uh, the team overall outside of uh, you know a couple of free agents and buying out Corey Perry. I don't see this team doing very well moving forward. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, they have three goaltenders on their roster. Obviously, their starting goaltender is probably going to be John Gibson. Uh, he's currently in the midst of a seven-year contract with them, which doesn't expire for some time. So he's their goalie of the future, uh, the goalie of this franchise, unless something drastic happens and they just decide to move on from him, or he sustains a significant injury that um, shortens his career. Um, Ryan Miller is only on contract for one more year. He's 40 years old. This may be his um, his last year as a as a goaltender in the NHL. 40 years old and still playing goalie in the NHL is impressive in my book. Um, I know it's not easy, and he, you know if he can keep up and keep pace and track that puck, you know, all the better. Um, but they do have a fallback option in Anthony Stolarz, who I believe they just signed to a two-year deal. Um, and I believe he might be their taxi squad uh, goalie for this 56-game uh, season. But should uh, Ryan Miller um, start start to fail as a backup goaltender, I'm pretty sure we could see those roles reversed and Ryan Miller ending up on the taxi squad as their third goaltender and Stolarz becoming their backup to Gibson or vice versa. If one goalie fails, the other one's going to get called up and there's going to be some changes made. Um that's the Anaheim Ducks in a nutshell. I, I think I had them t uh, sitting possibly 7th in the West Division this season, um, just based on what uh, uh, the other teams within the, the West Division. Um, they're not going to be the worst team, but um, they're not going to be, they're not gonna be uh, competitive. I don't think they're going to be competitive enough to make the um, Stanley Cup, the push, off, the push for the playoffs uh, in this uh, shortened season. Um, you look at the Colorado Avalanche, the St. Louis Blues, Vegas Golden Knights, and my, my fourth place team I have uh, listed as the Arizona Coyotes, um, who are actually have a pretty good solid young core with some sprinkles of some uh, veteran players in there. So I totally expect the Arizona Coyotes to make the playoffs under their new GM leadership. Um, the next team I did uh, I did an article on was the Los Angeles Kings. I did a little more digging into this team just because I'm intrigued by what they have going on. Um, last season, they finished 7th um, in the uh, Pacific Division. And over the last two seasons, you know, last, yeah, last two seasons, they, they've, they've had it kind of rough. Um... Last season, like I said, 7th place with 64 points. Um, the season before, 8th place with 71 points, which shows you um, the improvement of just competitiveness in the division itself. If they had more points two years ago, but finished in a worse position. Um, um, so their last playoff appearance was in 2017-18 uh, season. They finished in 4th, which is good enough for a wild card spot, but they did lose... Um, to the Vegas Golden Knights, who swept them. And then um, um, in 2015-2016, they finished in second in the Pacific, but lost again in the first round to the San Jose Sharks, um, who will be the next team I cover, uh, I go over in this podcast. Um, some key players for the Los Angeles Kings. Um, you have a solid veteran group on this team. 
uh, Drew Doughty, Dustin Brown, Jeff Carter, Anze Kopitar is their captain. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, older veteran talents. The only problem I see there is will this will this veteran core be able to keep pace with uh, with the league? Dustin Brown's 36 years old. He's been with the with the Los Angeles Kings his entire career. Was drafted in 2003 as a first round pick, number 13 overall. Um, you know he's entering his 17th season. You know, is this going to be his last season? Does he have a couple more in him? Can he part some of his veteran leader wisdom on some of the on this young um, prospect pool that that Rob Blake, who's the GM for the Kings has has made, uh, and the Kings have a significantly deep um, prospect pool when it comes to their organization, and that's one thing you have to give Rob Blake credit for is what he's been able to uh, how he's been able to draft. Um, they've had excellent draft classes going back for several years, um, and I, that's going to be the highlight of the Kings this season is how well um, their young prospects do because they're probably going to boast one of the younger um, younger rosters in the NHL this upcoming season. So uh, keep an eye on that, and I'll dive more into that shortly. Um, I'm going to go over some of the um, some of the young talents that I that I found on this roster, starting with their um, 2020 draft pick this uh, this past draft, and that's Quinton Byfield. He's 18 years old. Was uh, first round draft pick number two overall. This kid is the highest drafted African American player in NHL history at number two, and he he looks to be the future of this organization um, for Los Angeles. I mean, the kid can flat out skate. He can score. He can do it all. And you know, I I expect to see him and Anze Kopitar. Um, having a lot of dialogue and trying to bring him up faster than what they, you know, as fast as possible, because this kid might be the future captain and long-term captain of this organization. Um, the other player that they might be looking at for a leadership role is Alex Turcott. He was their first overall, first round selection in 2019, fifth overall. And, and again, another great player. A lot of these players for Los Angeles um, showed, you know, a lot of poise and the ability to put the puck in the net when they were playing up the World Juniors back in December. So I, I expect to see a lot coming from this organization. A couple others, Jarrett Anderson Dolan. He's 21 years old, was a second-round pick. Uh, number 41 overall. Number 14 in the second round. Um, solid pick. Um, for those who of you who like hearing about local talent making it to the NHL level, there's a... Michael Essamont, he's 24 years old, out of Littleton, Colorado, was a 2016 fifth round pick, 21st overall, number 142 in the 2016 draft. Um, so if you're looking for him, if you're looking to watch some local talent out of Colorado, tune into some LA Kings game and you might see him um, getting some ice time. I'm not sure specifically what position he played because I didn't write it down. Um... The, um, the 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 Kings in general, I, I I expect them to be towards the bottom of the you know bottom of the division in the West. 
So I have him sitting in eighth place, but as I if you go if you go to RockyMountainSR.com and read my article, I pointed out that this season for the LA Kings isn't necessarily about um, winning winning the division or aiming for a playoff spot. Rob Blake and the front office organization want to see what they have with their young talent in this fifty six game season especially with some of the COVID protocols and the taxi squad, gives them a chance to see what some of their players are capable of in a, uh, uh, in, at the NHL level. Um, expect to see them mixing lines and trying to build team chemistry and just trying to create an overall um, healthy, healthy, functional team that can put points on the board. They've got Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Quick in that, who's been with this organization for you know his entire career. Um, he's got, I think, this year and two more on his contract before it expires, but they may renew that for um, another few years. I think Jonathan Quick uh, solidifies them in net and, uh, you know, allows, uh, allows the organization to focus on what's in front of them. So let's hope that um, the Kings are competitive, uh, you know, for the Avalanche, yeah, they might see these as, you know, winnable games, but if you're not careful and you play down to their level, which the Avalanche have done in the past, they've taken off some of that intensity, um, these these games against the Kings could be devastating. And it's games uh, games like that against the, the Kings and the Ducks that you need to win in order to um, be able to accept some of the, the harder losses against the more competitive teams like the, um, the Blues, the... the the Golden Knights and the Coyotes, who I have listed as the other three playoff teams. And, um, you know, Minnesota's another team that always fights well, too. So um, tough division overall when you get to thinking about it. Um, the final team I've already written a story on, and I'm kind of perplexed by them, is the uh, San Jose Sharks. Um, I went digging and looking into their history into their 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 caliber of play and everything else, and they've quietly been one of the most prolific teams in the Pacific Division, but have not won a Stanley Cup, which boggles my mind when I when I looked into the data. The San Jose Sharks in the last twenty years, I'm saying twenty years, two decades of hockey, and that's as far as I went. I don't want to go any farther because you know you know. Lots and lots of research. In 20 years, the San Jose Sharks have only missed the playoffs three times, including this previous season. This previous season, they had 63 points uh, when the season was was called complete. And that, that placed them in eighth place, last in the Pacific Division, which uh, is a far cry from who they are. Um... Just going over the last the, the, the four seasons prior to last season, um, here's what you get. 2018-2019, uh, second place, 101 points uh, total. They lost in the Western Conference Finals to the Blues, uh, four games to two. 2017-2018, uh, 100 points. Lost in the second round to the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. 16-17, uh, third overall, 99 points. Lost in the first round to the Oilers. Oilers went on to lose, I believe, in the next round. And in 15-16, they, they finished third uh, in the division. 
98 points, and they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals four games to two to the eventual champion Pittsburgh Penguins. With their success on the ice and getting to the playoffs so consistently, the Sharks have been in a position where they've only, they've felt like they're only a couple players away from being good enough to win a cup. So what does a team do when they're that close to what they feel is a Stanley Cup run? They, they're buyers when it comes to the trade market. They, um, they sell low-level talent, you know, prospects that aren't really doing much, and draft picks to get players from other teams that they think are going to help their team over that hump. And because of that, the last time the um, the last time the Sharks had a top ten pick was Timo Meyer, who yes is still with the team, and that was in 2015. He was a first round ninth overall pick. That's the closest they've come to you know a high top ten pick in the draft. Um, I think their pick in 2020 was number 31 overall because they had traded away um, their their the rights to their pick early last season for uh, for a uh, for another player, and I forget who that pick went to. I didn't look into that, but I looking at their draft classes. You know, they drafted nine players this year. They drafted uh, I think five the year before and five the year before that, but. Their picks are anywhere from, you know, the bottom of the first round uh, in 20... The year prior, they didn't even have a first-round draft pick. And, um, yeah, not having those 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 elite, like, those elite spot draft picks, like the top, top 10 or maybe even the top 15 sometimes, really hurts a team in the NHL. Um, you know, most, uh, most leagues... You know, you look at the NFL, you get a league there. Uh, you look at the NFL, you know, Lamar Jackson was a 32nd overall pick for the Baltimore Ravens, and he's turned into their franchise quarterback. Uh, um, you know, it's rare to find quality talent that low in the first round in the NHL, especially when these most of these players who are drafted in the first round do spend some time in the minor league systems or with their with their um, AHL or WHL or ju- the Quebec Junior Majors or whatever the ECHL, whatever league they're playing in, they might spend additional time there because they're not, you know, organ- the organization that drafted them didn't feel they were quite ready to make that jump to the NHL roster. Um, so sometimes those first-round picks can be busts. Um, but it's less likely to be a bust if you you know if you're one of the top ten picks in the draft is is my 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 personal opinion. Um, some people may feel uh, that's a little harsh, but um, I think if you're a top ten talent in the NHL draft, you're more closer to NHL ready than um, most players are uh, in in the NHL draft. So with that being said. Let's look at um, some of the leadership on this team. And again, I think uh, the San Jose Sharks find themselves in a, a, a weird position. You know, your your defense, your your veteran presence are Brett Burns, Logan Couture, 
Devin Dubnik, Evander Kane, Eric Carlson, and Patrick Marlowe. Um, all great names that anybody knows throughout, or most people should know throughout the NHL circles. Um, and, you know, that makes a strong veteran core. Um, age might be a factor for some of them. You know, Brett Burns, Logan Couture, Patrick Marlowe, they've been around this league a long, long time. And Dubnik, I think, has one year left on his deal in San Jose. And then Evander Kane and Eric Carlson um, might be rental players, but they could be um, brought back in for um, a decent price if they feel like they want to continue to play there. Um, most players, most veterans who are, you know, dealing with the, the, the concept of father time sneaking up on them typically want to go to a team that is, um, in a Stanley Cup window or is a season away, away from, uh, a, a, a Stanley Cup run or just finished a playoff run for the Stanley Cup. So... We'll have to see. Um, San Jose, like I said, San Jose has a history of being one of those teams that can make a playoff push. Um, I have them kind of mired in a battle for that fourth place spot, but I feel they'll finish uh, um, probably fifth in the division, the West Division this year, um, battling with Arizona and Minnesota for that fourth overall spot. I could be wrong. This could be a year where San Jose you know, uh, went out and got the pieces they need, and they have a major bounce-back season. Um, they are definitely a team that I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs because of their veteran presence. They have, you know, three of those names I mentioned are defensemen with Burns, Couture, and Carlson. And I'm telling you, if you can, if you can set, you know, those defensive pieces in front of your goalie and, you know, keep puck, keep the puck out of the net, you're going to win games. Uh, and that, and that's the issue we see with a lot of teams is they, uh, their, their defensive core is young. They don't, uh, they don't protect the net as much. And the goalie sees more shots than what he should be seeing uh, in, in a repetitive, quick repetitive fashion. And, the the easy goal or the the odd bounce goes into the back of the net. You know, the presence of Burns, Couture, and Carlson means to me that they're not afraid to, you know, knock around the body and uh, fight for their goalie. Um, so I think any games you play against San Jose are going to be pretty gritty and um, are going are gonna to challenge anybody. Um, so definitely not throwaway games in my opinion. I don't think any, any game in the NHL, um, regardless of what division you're playing in, is going to be a throwaway game of any sort. You know, teams are going to have to battle, especially with a 56-game season. You know, you can't, you can't, you know, start getting into a, a, a losing streak of three, four games without panicking. And um, I, I sincerely hope that um, the Avalanche specifically just push really, really hard. Um, the, so that, that's pretty much going to cover the three teams I've covered as far as, uh, as far as done articles for, um, there should be some upcoming articles, like I said, covering Arizona and, uh, Vegas in the next couple days. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, then those would have been released already. And then Tuesday, I will probably end up doing another doubleheader, 
um, while I'm at work or in the process of working. Um, for those of you who don't know, I, I work overnights, so I've got some time on my hands to do my research and everything else, and that's how, that's how I bring you guys the content that I do. Um, I do a lot of research overnight and, and push out my content uh, to our website, our webpage, our group page, and uh, to this podcast as well. The future of the Avalanche is going to be interesting. And speaking on that, um, we'll dive in. The Avalanche did announce today uh, that they reassigned 11 players from their, um, from their training camp period. Uh, those players include Adam Werner, who is the who I originally said in our last broadcast would probably be the taxi squad goalie. But um, looking at a lot of the Avs fan pages I'm on and talking with some Avs fans, it makes total sense that they reassigned him back to the Eagles. Um, this gives him consistent playing time. He's the number one goalie down for the Eagles, and you know um, he's not sitting stagnant doing nothing. Uh, the the we don't know yet what's going to happen with Hunter Miska. If he's going to stay with the team on the practice squad, or if the Abs are going to bring in a a veteran presence to uh, fill that void on the practice squad. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that, and uh, hopefully something comes of that. Um, defensemen, the reassigned defensemen include Dan Renoff, Jacob McDonald, Peter Tishk, and Kyle Burrows. Uh, all four of those guys were reassigned to the AHL Colorado Eagles, which meaning which means right now, as it stands, the following defensemen are on the roster for the Avalanche. That includes uh, Bowen Byram, Eric Johnson. Uh, Eric Johnson is still listed as unfit to play, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Devin Tays, Kale McCarr, both of those guys have been matched up together um, during training camp sessions, so we, that might be one of our pairings. Uh, Dennis Gilbert was a part of the trade for Brandon Saad uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks and has apparently impressed the um, coaching staff and management with his, uh, with his uh, play during training camp. So um, looks like he might be part of the active roster or at least with the taxi squad. Uh, other players include Connor Timmons, Ryan Graves, Ian Cole, Samuel Gerrard and Keaton Middleton. Those make up your defensemen who are currently part of the remaining 29 players on the Avalanche roster. As for our forwards, um, Mikas Salamaki, Jason Megna, Shel Sheldon Dries, Mike Vecchione, TJ Tynan, Nick Henry were all reassigned to the Colorado Eagles meaning that your Avalanche roster for your forwards is Matt Calvert, Valeri Nechuskin, Shane Bowers, Tyson Jost, Brandon Saad, Logan O'Connor, Nathan McKinnon, TJ, or not TJ, JT Comper, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, Kiefer Sherwood, Martin Kaut, Jonas Donskoy, Nazem Kadri, Gabriel Landeskog, Andre Burakovsky, and Miko Rantanen. Um, I'm, I'm highly impressed by what I see on this list. Um, I think uh, some of the players we might see sitting on that uh, sitting on that taxi squad will be uh, Keeper Sherwood, probably Martin Kaut, uh, Shane Bowers, and Logan O'Connor. 
unless uh, they get fit in on a line or are everyday players. So uh, we'll see. We should have an official lineup come out sometime um, late Tuesday or late Tuesday evening or sometime early uh, Wednesday morning. Um, and I'm pretty sure several Facebook pages are being keened in on that. And I love the Colorado Avalanche is one I, I follow. I also follow a bunch of the meme pages, Chirp Town Hockey, uh, Overboard Hockey, stuff like that. Great pages. Check them out. Absolutely love them. Um, and, and go from there. Um, I am intrigued by the roster. You know, we'll see what happens with Eric Johnson. If he is truly, um, if he truly did test positive for, for COVID-19, his name should be released on uh, Wednesday, January 13th, as the um, NHL um, COVID policy states during training camps, players would players' names would not be released if they did test positive for COVID-19. They would simply be labeled as um, unfit to play. And that could mean anything from, yes, they're t they've tested positive with COVID-19. They haven't met the, um, the team's specific... Um, fitness policy or they are dealing with a lingering injury um when they came to training camp so if he is positive for COVID-19 that's going to open the door for another defenseman so we'll see what happens there and, and uh go from there um this might be the last season for one of our defensemen um I've got several you know we've got several people to think about with the upcoming roster expense uh um, not expansion. The uh, the Seattle Kraken come and do their expansion draft, not a our, our roster expansion. So we'll we'll definitely see what happens there. Um, I saw a report that said uh, the Avalanche might likely expose Devin Tays, their newly acquired defenseman, in that draft, and it got it puzzled my head just a little bit. Um, I don't think I, I personally don't think the Avalanche are going to go there. Um, I've got my money on uh, Sam Gerrard being the odd man out on the uh, defensive side, especially with the likes of um, Connor Timmins probably getting a full shot this season. Uh, Bowen Byram um, joining us along with uh, the potential for um, <clears throat> excuse me uh, Justin Barron or Drew Hellison in the uh, in the upcoming years. So, I think the talents of Samuel Gerrard, while enjoyable, will probably be uh, will probably be able to let him go and get somebody that's a little uh, a little bit bigger in the body on the defensive side of the puck. But um, yeah, that's going to do it for our podcast today. I'm sorry it was so short, guys. Um, it's hard to sit and talk by myself for almost an hour on various topics. Um, but next week. Uh, as I said, we will have a special guest from the Colorado Avalanche Society. He is the um, founder and operator of the Colorado Avalanche Society page on Facebook. He has his own podcast. Um, and uh, that is, uh, and he will be joining us, uh, Dan Slate will be joining us next week as we uh, dive into some stuff. Still undetermined what we'll be talking about next week, but I do. I will let you know we will be talking about the games against the St. Louis Blues this week, uh, the the good, the bad, the ugly that we saw in there, and um, going from there. Uh, 
if you guys would like to chime in, um, please do so. You can uh, record your, follow this podcast. You can find it on anchor.fm or Spotify. I use Spotify myself when I go back and re-listen to the podcast to find out if I made any mistakes as I try to just record straight through and then listen to it myself when it releases and try to get a, 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 an idea of what, what we're putting out and how it comes across. Um, so I believe you can find us, you can follow the podcast, subscribe to it, you'll get updates when we release new content. I believe you can also go in and record a message for us if you would like there. If not, as always, you can reach out to me on the RockyMountainSR.com webpage. It's uh, scott.cole at RockyMountainSR.com. Send me any messages, comments, concerns you have right there. If you have some content you want us to cover on this podcast, Please send me information there, and I will find some of that stuff and and try to get it out to you guys as best I can. As always, thank you guys for listening. We don't grow without your support and just listening to us. If you have any hockey fans out there, any Avalanche fans um, within your family that haven't heard of us, please share our content with them. Let us know what you guys think. I appreciate hearing from you guys. Have a nice day. We'll see you guys next week. And... Let's get ready for this game on uh, January 13th. So let's go abs.